listening to the Creating a Brand podcast, where we deliver weekly masterclass interviews on topics to help you make your first or next step in business the right one. I'm your host, Alex Sanfilippo. Leadership can be difficult to navigate, especially during times of crisis or challenge. As a leader, people not only rely on you, but they also look to you for answers during these difficult times, and what you do matters. Today's guest is Walt Rakowicz. Walt is the former CEO of Prologis, which is one of the largest real estate companies on the S&P 500. In 2008, Prologis was on the brink of bankruptcy. This is when Walt stepped in as CEO and restored it to profitability through the way he led the organization. In today's conversation, Walt walks us through what he calls his 3H core from his new book, Transfluence. For links to resources mentioned during this episode, you can visit creatingabrand.com slash 075. Now here is my conversation with Walt Rakowicz, where he explains the three keys to transformative leadership. Walt, welcome to the Creating a Brand podcast. Great to be here, Alex. Thanks for having me on. Of course, really excited about it. Uh, I, I thoroughly enjoyed your book. I just finished it over the weekend. We had sunshine in Jacksonville, Florida for the first time in like a week which is sounds weird to say, you know, it's a sunshine state, but sometimes the sun doesn't come out. So for the first time in a week, I was out by the pool reading your book and, and just thoroughly enjoyed this. So I'm so excited about our conversation we're going to get into today. Thank you, Alex. I'm really, really excited to be on. I really am. So the book is called Transfluence. And I think that the first thing we need to do is we need to cover the meaning of, of that word. Can you tell us what transfluence means? Yeah, I'd be happy to. Yeah. Um, so the word transfluence stands for uh, very simply, transformational influence. Um, it's um, you know, as a leader, um, Alex, I think you've you know you've got a lot of objectives to accomplish. In in my case, um, I, I came back to my company in a seminal moment, and and I had to uh, you know focus on turning around the company. Um, so my objectives were very financial. You know, get the company um, solvent, uh, turn it around, et cetera. But I really think that leadership is all about not necessarily the destination, um, which is, you know, in my case, turn around the company is really more about the the journey. It's about the influence that you have on those you lead. Um, and, and I mean, I think it starts with understanding about, you know, th th that it's not about you as a leader. It's really not. It's about influencing others to accomplish great things and making them better at what they do. And if you do that as a leader, um, you know, you will reach the destination you want to reach, but really you got to focus on the journey. And I think part of that journey um, is, is all about building trust in, in your organization. Um, Cause I think trust is the most important um, ingredient to leadership, leadership success. And so the book is transfluence, making a transformational influence in the lives of others. Um, that's, that's really what it stands for. Love it. And it's exactly that. I mean, you, you really dive deep into this. You actually cover 10 fundamental guideposts for transfluence in this conversation today. We're really going to focus on three of them, which is your three H core. But before we get into that, I really want to jump into one of the main points you had in the book, which is to talk about fear and pride because it can drive our decisions as leaders. I really want to talk about why you wrote this part of the book. Yeah, because I, I really believe if you're going to build trust in an organization, then you have to um, be externally focused. I mean, in other words, you, you have to be focused on the people that you lead. Um, but the first thing you got to do, I think, is look at yourself. Um, because if you're too internally focused, you can't be 
externally focused. And I, I believe that there are two really great challenges that leaders have when they look at themselves. And they're very simply pride and fear. Um, I think, let's, let's break them down. I, I think that authentic pride is actually good. I mean, authentic pride meaning, look, I have a, a lot of pride in my children. I have pride in our organization. I'm proud to work at X, Y, and Z, um, those sorts of things. I think that's great. Mm-hmm. Um, but when, you, when it becomes hubristic pride, when it becomes about you, it's a killer. Uh, and when I'm talking about hubristic pride, I'm talking about vanity. I'm talking about egotism, arrogance, narcissism. You know, if you look at the problems at the soccer organization, FIFA, you look at the problems at Volkswagen with the admission scandal, and you look at Theranos, the blood testing company, GM, Prologis, um, my old company in 2007 and eight. I mean, they are, all of our problems are caused by prideful, arrogant leadership, bottom line. So that's the, that's the first thing. And I think leaders have to look at that pride because it'll kill them over time. I do have a question on that. How do, how do leaders address it? Like what is kind of the first step of really being able to address that pride that we have? Because the feeling can come up kind of naturally as yeah. people put praise on you, right? Or as you feel that you, you owe being a certain way to the audience that you've collected over time. That's a great question. Um, I talk a lot in the book about the, um, the value of coaching. Um, I talk a lot about the value of personal boards of directors, if you can assemble one. In other words, having an outside accountability group. I think it really starts with um, talking to other people. I, I, I think the more internally focused you are and the less that you look out to other people to help you, um, the more um, the, the more pride will start to soak in. I, I had a really interesting experience. Interesting you'd ask me this. Um, with a, you know, when, when I first took over the company, um, uh, we were working dog years and I could tell that there were strains in the management um, team. And I hired a coach to come in and basically, you know, assess all of us. And, you know, he did extensive 360 degree evaluations and personality tests. And um, the coach looked at me after my first um, interview with him. And um, he said, you know, Walt, I've got some good news and I've got some bad news for you. And I said, well, okay, tell me the good news first. And he said, (laughs) well, the good news is that people like working for you. I said, well, that's great. Can we stop there? And he said, no, (laughs) let me tell you the bad news. And I said, what's the bad news? He said, let me tell you, you're running around like a chicken with your head cut off trying to save this company. And for you, it's kind of all about, you think you're the person that's going to save this company. You're wrong. He said, and, and actually your relationships are suffering because people say that they like working for you, but they don't know how to approach you um, because you're always rushing around. And he said, you need to make more time for relationships. Well, that's the key. Um, you've got to have, and, and I would just say it this way, you've got to be more empathetic to your people in your organization. And I, I mean, let me tell you, Alex, it hit me. It was like putting a sword in my heart, but I needed somebody to tell me that. And so whether it's a coach or whether it's, you know, somebody from the outside that can look in and really, you know, spend some time with you, I think that's critically important to understanding your pride. And the second thing is fear. You know, I think just like pride, some fears can be good. I always like to say, um, I think I say in my book that Taylor Swift, before she gets out, you know, in front of any audience, she's, she's scared to death. And, you know, no matter how many times she does it, she is. But that fear causes her to work harder. That fear actually makes her to perform better. 
And I do believe that in some cases, fear can be good, but most fears I think are really bad, especially the fears that create insecurities and they become, again, all about us. You know, um, I, I talk about this in the book, but uh, one of the most telling articles I ever read came out in Harvard Business Review. And, you know, they, they interviewed 116, I think it was, CEOs and C-suite executives. And, um, and, and the article, uh, by the way, was called, What Are CEOs Afraid Of?, even though they weren't CEOs all that they interviewed. And they asked these, these C-level executives, what's their biggest fear? And, you know, you thought that they would have said, well, the competition, their people, the financial well-being of their company, you know, they're losing good people, whatever it is, right? No, the number one fear was actually incompetence. And when I'm talking about incompetence, I'm talking about the fear of being wrong. And it's amazing how many C-level executives talk about how it undermined their relationships with other executives. And the second biggest fear was underachievement which caused them to take bad risk, you know, not doing enough or the competition's doing more or somebody else in the organization's doing more. And so, you know, like the top two or three fears and the third one was, was, um, was appearing too vulnerable. And, you know, you look at these fears and you say, what, are you kidding me? Well, the problem is that these fears are all about themselves. And, and I think the problem is that when leaders start focusing too much on themselves and the job that they have to do, they have to do, as opposed to the job that their team has to do, encouraging and empowering their team and lifting up the team and being more about the team, but uh, you know, less about themselves, I think they make a lot more progress towards building trust in the organization. And as I mentioned, trust is the most important ingredient to leadership success. That's been my experience. Wow, this is that's really interesting. I remember reading this through the book that incompetence, underachieving and appearing too vulnerable, that those are all internal fears that people have as leaders. It's not external at all. And the, really, like you're saying, the goal of leadership means to influence yourself and others, of course, right? But I think that when we, we take it all internally, it just kind of circles back to, to pride. It makes it all about us instead of about other people. And exactly. I, so I thought that was very insightful that you brought that up. I think this is actually a really good time for us to transition into the, the main points that we're covering today, which they are your guideposts number six, seven, and eight, which cover what you call your 3H core. Can you provide an overview of what this means and then we'll kind of dive into each of them? Yeah, I can. Um, and I'll tell you how they came to me as well, which I think is a kind of a fun story as well. I think, yeah, please. I think authenticity is so important in building trust. And um, I was, um, again, I had, I had a seminal moment. I was asked to come back and turn around a company that was on the verge of bankruptcy. And so I was grasping for straws, Alex. I was looking for as much uh, leadership nuggets of wisdom that I could find. And right. I, had, I had an investment banker friend of mine from Morgan Stanley. And he said, Walt, um, and you might remember 2008, Morgan Stanley, Goldman Sachs, the whole world was going bankrupt, at least oh, yeah. as a Wall Street. And so um, my, my investment banker friend said, well, call it mutual commiseration. I don't know, whatever you want to call it, but do you want to get on the line with our CEO? Um, you're a great client and be great for you to talk with him about how he's managing Morgan Stanley. And I said, I'd love to. So I got on the line with John Mack, who, again, was the CEO of Morgan Stanley. And Mack, um, and, you know, during that time, you know, the whole financial system is collapsing. And I'm reading everything in the paper about how... Um, the Fed and the Treasury Secretary are trying to jam banks together 
including maybe JP Morgan and Morgan Stanley. And I, I, I said to him, look, don't, don't tell me about inside baseball that I read. I, all I want to know, John, is how you're managing your people. And he said to me something really profound. He said, well, I manage my people on the basis of the three H's. And now he had my attention. I said, well, what do you, what's that mean? And he said, um, I think the best leaders in the world are humble. They're honest. And in this day and age, a banker needs to have a sense of humor, which I laughed at. And I <laughs> right. <laughs> You're right. But I think, you know, and, and in the book I described this, I think what he was really talking about, because I didn't really, I never really viewed myself as a humorous person, but I think what he was really talking about was this ability to relate. And in other words, it wasn't really humor. It fell under a larger word, which is human, to be human, um, to relate to people. Right. And um, and and in my book, I actually call it heart, which is a, a different word, but meant to be the same thing. And I I really mean I really believe that leaders that are humble, honest and human are authentic. And when they're authentic, they build trust in organizations. I think humility is about how you see yourself. I think uh, having a heart or being human is about how you see other people. And I actually think that honesty is the transaction or the action that connects the two together. In other words, you can be the most humble person in the world. You can be the most human person in the world. But if you're not honest, if you don't have integrity, you'll have no connection to, to other people. Um, and, and I think you need to have those three. I call it in my book um, a 3-H core. Um, and and what I really mean by it, just to cut through it, I, you know, I think humility is about asking. It's about listening. It's about being accountable to other people. Um, it's re about recognizing how much that you can learn from others. I think leading with a heart is about literally investing in other people, trusting them, serving them, recognizing them, empowering them, you know, lifting them up. And then I think honesty is not just about being honest, but it is truly about being consistent and, and about recognizing that perceptions matter. And sometimes it's, you, it's not just what you say, but it's about what you don't say. You know, a lot, a lot of times as a leader, you walk into a room and there's an elephant in the room and everybody in the room knows that you as the leader need to solve this and address it. And you don't, and you walked out. Have you lied? No. Have you created trustworthiness amongst your colleagues? Absolutely not. And that's what, you know, so I talk a lot in the book about what real honesty means and the, the importance of this whole notion of being humble, honest, and having a heart. I think three really critical um, characteristics that leaders need to bring to work with them every day if they want to be authentic and they want to build trust in their organizations. We'll get right back to today's episode, but first I wanna share the number one organic marketing strategy for growing your brand. It's called podcast guesting. Whether you're an established business owner or an entrepreneur that's just getting started, being a guest on podcast is the smartest marketing move that you can make. To help you become a successful guest, I've put together a 12-step guide for podcast guesting, which will explain everything from the gear you need to quickly finding the ideal podcast to be a guest on. If you'll visit creatingabrand.com slash guest, you'll be able to get started immediately. No email or registration required. I trust that this 12-step guide will serve you well in your podcast guesting journey. And now let's get back to today's episode. 
I love this. This is so powerful. And you actually have a uh, illustration, which I'll have a a picture of in the show notes, but it goes from actions at the top and then down the funnel is humility, honesty, heart, and the bottom of it is trust. And I think it's really, this is so key for anybody. I mean, yes, you were the CEO of one of the largest companies in the world, but this works at any level. Am Am I right in saying that? Somebody who's a brand new entrepreneur, this would also apply to them. Oh my gosh, absolutely. And, and you know, the one thing I, I would say is, you know, when you, when you talk about building trust, it doesn't matter how big your organization is. I don't care, right. if, yeah. I don't care if it's you and your wife or if, it's, if you're talking about, you know, an, an organization with thousands of people. Building trust is what you need to do to lead. And, you know, I, I mentioned, you know, you talk about the 10 fundamental guideposts for transfluence. Um, so the guidepost number six that you mentioned was humility puts our pride at risk. There's that word again, pride. Yeah, but but risk it anyway. Um, be vulnerable. Um, sometimes sometimes leaders are so afraid to be vulnerable, and we are afraid to be vulnerable about, around people. Period. But but let me tell you something. Um, vulnerability can be an incredibly powerful powerful uh, means of managing people. Can I tell you? Can I tell you a quick uh, one other story that? Oh, that please do. I'm hoping we have a story for each of these. Actually, I, 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 the book, like I said, was amazing. I love the stories you have in it. So yeah, I'd love to hear a story along, around the lines of humility. So um, I, I and I do tell this in the book, but um, it, it was it was a seminal moment for me. I, it was about a month and a half after I'd come back from work, or I come back to lead the company, and um, a couple. It was a couple weeks before Christmas, and we're all sitting around myself and a few other probably 10 other people, all generally finance people in my organization. And, um, you know, we're, we're just working dog years at the time. And um, it's late in the evening. Um, in fact, it might have even been early in the morning. <laughs> and oh, man. one of my finance people said to me, well, well, you know, unfortunately, we've got problems. Looks like we're going to blow our bond covenants on several billions, billion dollars of bonds. And, um, and I was like, oh, my God. So what, what does that mean? And um, he said, well, it, it probably means we're going to need to declare bankruptcy. In the, I said, when? He said, well, probably the next quarter, January, February, March. And, um, man, I'll tell you what, Alex, I got white as a ghost. And I, I, I didn't know what to do. Hmm. I didn't know what to say, you know? And, um, you know, I'm the leader of this organization. And it's a bummer when you don't know how to react to somebody, right? And so... Anyway, I said, well, you know, can I, you mind if I just walk down the hallway and catch my breath a little bit? And they said, no, Walt, that's fine. And so I did do that. And, and on the way down the hallway, I started to faint. I mean, I could feel I was, I was like butter. Uh, my legs were like butter and I could see a desk in the distance and I could see a chair in the distance. And I beeline towards the chair to try to catch myself and I didn't make it. And on my way to the, uh, to the chair, I fell and the corner of my head hit the corner of the desk and split, and split it open and knocked me out. And I was laying there for what turned out to be about 10 minutes. And then I woke up and I had no idea where I was. Okay. It's dark outside. I'm not in my bed. Like, okay, where am I? And then all of a sudden it dawns on me. Oh my gosh, there's 10 people that are waiting for me in the room still. And so I, uh, you know, I, I ran, ran to the bathroom, you know, scurried to the bathroom, basically um, stopped the bleeding, came in to the room, and I said, let's talk about this bankruptcy issue. And one of my finance people looked at me and they said, no, well, can we talk about that lump on your head first? Oh, man. <laughs> and it's like, you know what? I got to tell you, I was busted. 
here I was, the CEO of one of the largest companies in America. And all these people are looking at me. And I looked at them and I said, you know what? I don't have the answers. I just don't know what to say, guys. When you said to me, you know, the next move is to file for bankruptcy. I was like, I have no idea. I, I, got, I got no answers. I'm hired to, but I have no answers. And I said, I need you guys. I need everybody in this room to help me through this. And there was this silence for 10 seconds, and it seemed like a minute, 30 seconds at least. And somebody piped up and they said, well, give us a chance. Let's, let us think about this. Let's get back together in a week or two, and let's see what the answers can be. And I realized that moment, the power in vulnerability. And sometimes, you know, in humility, you know, Webster's defines humility as these all these cockamamie words like uh, weak, unassertive, submissive. It's not about being weak. Humility is about accepting the fact that you have weaknesses and being able to shore them up with other people, empowering other people to come up with the right answers. You know, I mean, they're the people, your people have more answers than you. And, you know, come to that realization as, as a leader and let them empower them to get you through it. And in my case, that vulnerability, that humility, I think was, um, was a great lesson for me. It, and I think it lifted up everybody in the room. And you know what happened? Ironically, they came up with the answer. We didn't, we never declared bankruptcy. We never got sued. It was amazing how we tiptoed through the tulips. And it wasn't because of anything Walt Rakowicz came up with. It was because of all the people that I managed that felt empowered to make it happen. I love this point. Humility puts our pride at risk. Risk it anyway. I think that's just so powerful. I love that story you gave as well. Uh, the next one, going back into honesty. Can you tell us a story about how honesty, you said it often leads to conflict, but never waver from the battle. It's something you said in the book. Can you talk about what this looks like? Because I'll, I'll admit being honest, sometimes it, it can stir the, you know, can stir the, the pot a little bit. I think few leaders are comfortable with bad news. Uh, you know, every, if you ask every leader, are they being honest? Uh, they'll all tell you, of course, I'm, I'm the most honest leader out there. Right. right. And that's a lie usually, right? <laughs> yeah, you know, and, and, but the, the problem, the, the thing I found is that it's easy to tell people good news. But you know what? When, when news makes you look bad, and by the way, inevitably, in every leader's um, time of leadership, there will be a time where they look bad. It just will happen. Mm -hmm. You know, they made the wrong decision, um, you know, whatever that might be. And I think, I think complete honesty really is not just about what you say. It's about what you don't say, as I said before, dealing with the elephant in the room. I was walking around the office. Um, I could see the somber look on the faces of people. Uh, people knew that layoffs were coming. Um, again, I'm running a company that's on the verge of bankruptcy. You just don't keep all your people whenever that happens. But, you know, we hadn't come to that decision yet. We had a management meeting and um, uh, my top, you know, really the top five or six people in the company were in this meeting and we were all talking about the severity of the recession, how long it was going to last and how does that translate to how many people we needed. And um, I can remember when we, we came to this idea that we were, you know, we looked at our numbers and we said, look, the only th way we're going to survive is we lay off a third of our workforce. Now, let me tell you, a third of your workforce is not 
um, it, it, it's not fat anymore. It's now bone and muscle. Yeah. Right. <laughs> it's like, where do we start? Oh my God. I mean, we're going to, you know, who are we going to let go of? And I remember one of my, um, colleagues saying, well, well, we're probably not going to be able to tell our employees this for another, at least 30 days, because we're going to have to do it in a stealth way. We're going to fi- have to figure out who we're going to lay off. And then we're going to need to um, unfold all of this in one announcement. And I said, no, 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 no. We can't do that. I said, I, I'm telling you, the people that I saw yesterday, everybody, know, the water cooler talk in this organization is not how not who's going to get laid off. It's how many people are going to get laid off. And am I, and am I one of them? And I said, they, they know. And I said, if we want to build honesty, if we want to build trust in this organization, it's all about being transparent. And you think when we tell them in 30 days and we have all the answers that they're not going to think, well, how long did management know about this? Um, why didn't they tell us about this? Um, I could have maybe found another job. You know, who knows what goes through people's mind. But I said, no, we've got to tell them tomorrow. And he said, well, Walt, we're a public company. We can't, we got to make an announcement. I said, well, that's great. Let's make an announcement to Wall Street. But we are going to need to tell our employee. We have just made a decision. It's a third of our workforce. We don't know who it is. And maybe we'll get dinged for that. But at the end of the day, I want our employees to know that we're being transparent with them. The minute we know something, we tell them about it. And that's exactly what we did. We got up the next day, or maybe it was two days later, I should say, because we had to prepare for the announcement. But we basically had a town hall meeting. We made the public announcement. We sat there in front of all our employees. We took them through the math. We said, look, here's the bottom line. We don't know the names of people, and we risk that every one of you walk out the door because you're scared to death that you may be one of them. And we re- we, we risk the morale in the organization now knowing that a third of the people are going to leave and you know, what do you guys come to work with thinking? But we thought the best thing we could do was to be transparent with you and tell you when we knew something, because at the end of the day, we're going to be around hopefully a year or two from now. And this transparency matters in terms of building trust in the organization. And I really think it had an amazing impact. That 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 brutal honesty um, in dealing with the elephant in the room earlier and sooner than we needed to, um, I think... I think really built transparency and trust in the organization. Yeah, that I mean, that takes a lot to be that level of honest. I think that many of the listeners of this podcast, myself included, we don't have uh, hundreds of people that are going to be affected possibly by our honesty or by the decisions we have to make. However, this applies again to anybody. I mean, being honest with your your, your the few customers you have or the small audience that you may have is is such an important element of being able to 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 build that trust long term with people. Yep, absolutely. Um, so, and the third one, really, this this whole notion of leading with a heart, requiring trust, giving trust a chance. You know, I I think leading with a heart is about as a leader sacrificing, um, giving up, um, recognizing that again, it's not all about you, and and you don't need to have the answers. Um, you, you are really in a position where you have to lift up and empower other people. It's not about you anymore as a leader. It's about making people better at what they do. And the analogy that I give in the the book is it's like being a conductor versus a soloist in an orchestra. I love to talk about this because, you know, a soloist, when you think about it, they get up, they, they, they play their solo, and the audience gives them a standing ovation 
and they bow and that moment is all about them. They're the performer and Mm -hmm. they deserve it. But you know, at the end of the night, when the conductor is done and the, and the orchestra gets the standing ovation, most good uh, conductors may bow, but really they take their hand and in deference to the orchestra, they point to the orchestra because they're the performers. And when you think about it, that conductor just empowered that orchestra. They built them up, they encouraged them, they kept them together. Without the conductor, they never make it happen, right? But in that moment, that conductor is deferring to that orchestra and giving them credit. And that is what leaders do, great leaders. It doesn't have to be about those leaders. It has to be about the credit that they give other people, lifting them up. And I just think that's the analogy that that comes to my mind. And I think great leaders do that. And that's what it means to, in essence, lead with a, with a heart. That's uh, so powerful, man. I'm just looking through this pipeline again, actions. Make sure that every action is conducted through humility, honesty, and heart. And that leads to trust. And that is how we truly have to lead. Well, this has been such a just an insightful conversation already. Do you have any final thoughts you'd like to share with us today? I do. Um, I, I have final thoughts, um, maybe words of encouragement um, for your listeners. You know, and, and I, I want to underscore something you said, you know, okay, yes, I, I led a, a large organization. There were thousands of people, um, but we're all leaders. I mean, I don't care if we lead one person or we lead uh, thousands of people. I mean, we, we lead sideways, we lead down, we lead up, <laughs> we, we have spouses, we have kids, we lead in so many different directions. And, you know, to all the entrepreneurs that are out there, I would just say that you are and you will be leaders in our world, the leaders in our world. Um, and I just say, as you lead, um, I just don't want you to forget about the fact that the journey is as important as your destination. And the journey is not about you. It's about the influence that you have on other people. And if you keep that in mind, um, they will help you succeed. That's what leadership's all about. And I'll leave you with one quick story that happened to me uh, a couple of weeks ago, actually. I was on a conference call um, with Ed Bastian, who's the CEO of, of, of uh, Delta Airlines, speaking of big companies. And keep in mind that Ed's revenues in the month of March were down somewhere in the neighborhood of 90 plus percent, and they're still down 70% today. This is a CEO that is going through a very, very difficult time. And someone asked him a question, you know, they said, Ed, how are you getting through it? And he said, you know, I just want you to know what an amazing time and chapter this is in my life and what an honor and privilege it is to be managing at a time like this. This is a crisis, right? And he's saying, what an honor and privilege. And I just want your listeners to know that, you know, uh, not to, number one, not to let this crisis, the, the time that we're in kind of get the best of them. They got to persevere and their character does matter and their attitude matters as well. And so I would say, consider whatever moment you're going through today, probably COVID affected one way or the other as an honor and privilege. And I think make a difference in the lives of the people that you lead. So I'll leave you with that, Alex. Thanks. Yeah, well, that's powerful. Thank you so much for being a guest. I really appreciate your time today. So much. So great to be on, Alex. Thank you so much uh, for having me.
What an insightful conversation on the topic of leadership. Walt's 3-H course serves as a great framework for becoming a transformative leader, which is so needed in the change-driven world that we live in today. Humility, honesty, and heart is how each of us needs to lead in our businesses and in our lives because leadership is influence. Well, thank you for setting such an incredible example of transformative leadership and for being a guest on the Creating a Brand podcast today. To pick up a copy of Walt Rakowicz's book, Transfluence, please visit creatingabrand.com slash 075. Thank you as always for listening. I'm looking forward to bringing you another masterclass episode next week.